Hello and a very warm welcome back to Widowed AF. We are back in Blighty after a very nice jaunt to the Greek island of Skiathos. So welcome back. You're here with Rosie, as hopefully you can tell, and John is with me too today. Hello. So we are a li- we are a week behind. We missed a week of recording. We rather optimistically thought, oh, it'll be fine. We'll be able to record out there. We packed our, um, what do you call it, mobile? Portable studio. Yeah. And just just most of it didn't work as well as rubbish internet. Yeah. No, we didn't practice it before we left and the internet didn't work. So we attempted to record something and basically it was crap. So we're not going to subject you to it. And we weren't able to put out an episode on Monday. But you know what? These things happen. It's the summer holidays. We knew some things would slide and um, I'm sure that you guys will forgive us. So we are going to talk a little bit about Sarah Swainson's episode today and probably a little bit about blended family holidays because for a lot of you it's probably something that may be on the horizon or something you thought god how on earth does that work but um I'm not sure we'll be able to give you any um productive tips or hints but um not really (laughs) take take batteries you know the battery we call them battery batteries that's my number one tip right but anyway Let's get started. So, Sarah, the lovely, lovely Sarah, we have received quite an unusual amount of support through for Sarah, actually. We, we, I get, you know, the odd messages through here and there for people, but I think there was something quite magical about what Sarah did, and I don't think it's just me that feels that. Um, Sarah spoke about becoming a widow, obviously, and but her story, it was different in that her husband died of, from drug-related causes, which brings with it an enormous amount of shame and stigma. And she believes, and rightly so, that by talking about it and giving a human humanizing addiction, I guess, and stopping the sort of stereotype junkie um, mm. image because her husband was a loving father and, you know, she describes him as a family man. And I don't know. I don't know. It really made me rethink. I don't know, rethink, but sort of look again at addiction because we, you know, I I suffer with addiction myself. So I am aware of why I did it. But then to project that out and understand that most people don't choose this path. It's, it is normally to outrun something that something, something. something, Yeah. yeah. I think I said after I um, listened, done the listen to one, the edit was um, you view people with an addiction just with a bit more empathy after listening to it. And, you know, there's a, there's a root, or somewhere, but you know, how the hell do we, how the hell do you get to it? I know, I know. And she did it. She did it very discreetly, but she alluded to the fact that he'd had a, a had a, a a traumatic past. Um, and as she, you know, she said it was his story to tell, and he couldn't. So she mm. she didn't want to do that. But as and, and that's absolutely her prerogative. But I think often people are just trying to outrun something, and depending on what the kind of drug or addiction of choice because it isn't always a, a substance is it it can be shopping it can be running sadly that was never mine <laughs> it's I don't, know, and I don't know I don't know it just it really touched me because I just felt you know there but for the grace of God and I say this as a non-believer but you know it, how many of us could have fallen into this trap given the you know the wrong opportunity oh, look at the amount of cigarettes Sarah talks as well about what it's like to to love somebody in addiction, um, which I've never experienced. But it sounds brutal, particularly with something as um, visceral as an opioid addiction. 
And she talks about the lies and the deceit and the fact that she felt almost foolish afterwards because she hadn't realised that he'd lapsed. But of course, your brain does some very clever things to protect you. And I'm I'm assuming that it, it sort of that's what happened here. And essentially, when she finally literally caught him in the act, you know, saw him through a window, he still tried to deny it. I mean, this is the level of, of deceit that people in active addiction will go to. Yeah, it's very powerful. It's, yeah. it's so, so powerful. And I, one of the things I've really highlighted in the notes is she says to him, either you're lying or I'm mad, but one of us needs help. Yeah. And I think... That was brilliant. Yeah, because she backed him into a corner and he had to admit it. And then ultimately, I mean, you know, the, the the reason that she's on the podcast is because ultimately the rehab and the um, getting clean failed. And at a party at their house, um, he took heroin and uh, and it killed him. And just like that, she's got to, you know, explain to the children and, and to people. Because when somebody dies, the first question, in, particularly when they die young, is always... How? Yeah, because mm-hmm. we're interested and partly we're interested because it's it's part of the the story, how you die is, is important, but it also is a um, like a primal fear, I think, because we almost, it's like when you, people got COVID, it, the first question, did they have an underlying health condition? Because essentially we're all very frightened of our own mortality and we sort of want to know if it's something that we can avoid. Yeah. Um, but then you are then forced to disclose the sort of more unsavory aspect of their death which is that it was drug related now um nikki um outlaw her husband they thought there was cocaine in his system and she fought and had him vindicated yeah. but she sort of saw the tip of the iceberg of that of the judgment that could be waiting for her. um and lulu you know having to make the decision of whether to tell people how her John died. And in in the end, she has, and she's been very honest about it. Um, And Sarah made the same choice. She said, actually, the more we talk about this, the more we shine a light onto it and the more we get rid of the shame and get people help. And the other thing that um, that we all need to realise, and if any of you are there listening, are sitting in this right now and hiding their secrets, like, um, it's not your shame. Mm -hmm. It's something that happened and it was in your relationship, but there's there's no shame attached. And you, as soon as you you don't hide it anymore, then there's a genuine understanding. And, you know, the headlines subside, but your mind will feel better. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can get the guts to pop your head up and if Sarah's episode has helped you start to discuss some, some secrets that you've kept behind... Mm-hmm. Then um, this podcast is worth every minute that we record. <laughs> oh, stop it. Um, and actually, on that note, she did mention a charity called Drug Fam, who were really, really supportive. So if you are supporting somebody who is in active addiction, um, I think those would be a really good resource for you to find. And we'll try and put it on the notes if, if we remember. Um, but the one thing I took from it, and yes, it's easy to to say this um, if you're not having your belongings stolen and being lied to by an addict, but just the the kind of grab onto this idea that nobody chooses this path. You know, they might choose to do it once, thinking that once won't hurt. And actually, um, Sarah did talk about this almost like demon voice. You know, you can do it once this time. Mm. It'll be fine. Yeah. Now, I, I know that voice because that voice will tell me all the time, why don't you just have one drink? You can have one. Like, be a normal person, just have one drink. 
but I don't know that I can. And for me, that risk is too great to take. No, mine was same voice, yeah. cigarettes. And- yeah, because you, you had like a cheeky one on a festival and you were just like fucked the next week because it was like all those addiction gr- mm. demons started. Yeah, and- another week of grumpiness and just it was horrible. So it's, yeah. yeah, full stop. Yeah, and I, I'm the same with booze. I mean, to be honest, if I'm completely honest, I don't like it enough to have a glass if I'm not drinking it to get pissed. I mean, that's the essential base yeah, of um, it. Yeah. My, my cigarettes is nostalgia. Yeah, of course I, it if is. If I had it, it would be, I'd stink, it'd be horrible. It'd be just, why would I do this? You wouldn't but... be allowed to share the bed, would you? Yeah. <laughs> I'd move. I'd have to move <laughs> to the pond or something. The pond! <laughs> the pond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but one, I, I've, I've realised I've talked quite a lot about Sarah's episode, but I, I really, really did feel moved by it. I felt that. The idea of ostracising people in addiction is is something that we need to readdress, and I would love, for, you know, infinite resources for this to for the rehabilitation program to be to be, to be better. Um, well, but, then, then we got into politics, don't we? Oh yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we, we take the yeah. tax from the booze and bring the rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah, blah, we'll, blah, blah, we'll, blah, blah. we'll stay, we'll stay clear of that. We'll stay in our lane. We'll stay in our lane. <laughs> but I do have I do have good news, and that is that Sarah says in there that she had. She made an active decision to be happy. Paul died, but she didn't. And she wanted hope and she wanted um, a future for her. I think, as with so many of our guests, the the main kind of end take I got from this was um, that of uh, a woman that had fought so hard for her husband and, you know, had... You, I kind of pictured her, you know, like... Um, like really like scrappy do you know like she was gonna take she did everything for to try and get him help and essentially he couldn't be helped in the end and his life ended but as she says herself her life didn't and she made an active choice to be happy and I think I can tell you I will check before I put this out um when I last text her um she was actually wedding dress shopping she's getting married so big congratulations, Sarah, from all of us. All of us. All of us. The two of us. <laughs> <laughs> and you. As and well. you lot, you lot. You yes. as well. We don't forget about you. Um, so yeah, I I I mean I it's this job comes with this wonderful benefit that I I got some really, really great friends out of it. And I will hopefully be seeing some of them on Saturday because guests who have recorded prior to the fifth of August were invited to a party um called Woodstock. Um, we hope to do it again next year and so we will be posting some uh, footage from it and I'll try and rope people into doing a little um, record for you if I can. Yeah. Uh, and a bar, I promise so. I won't poison people with the barbecue. Famous last words, famous last words. So we promised a little bit of a debrief of our trip to Skerthos, which is a very beautiful Greek island and um, we went out there to um, for the wedding of some really good friends of ours, Laura and Stephen, who got married, obviously. And it was a beautiful, beautiful wedding and a beautiful place. We have been there before. and But, you know, it is hot and children do moan a lot. Mm. And I think sometimes parents lose their shit on holiday. I can remember being driven to the airport on a family holiday in Florida. <laughs> Honestly, my mum made us pack and drive to the airport. <laughs> we didn't go home. But your temper's afraid and... It's a very, it's a bit like Christmas, isn't it? Because you've put so much time, effort, planning, money into this that you want perfection. And of course, perfection doesn't exist. And it especially doesn't exist when you've got children. No, no, it doesn't. And uh, uh, the food's different. Yeah. Everything, the can drink from the taps. Um, 
And they drink a lot of fizzy pop, which what? probably doesn't help. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and <laughs> cocoa shells. Cocoa shells and more ice cream than children, anybody mm. should ever eat. But we had a great time. And I do think you look back on these things, much like a lot of parenting, actually, where when you're in it, it can feel a little bit challenging. But when you look back, you see the um, the kind of streaks of, of silver in, in there, the, like the magic. Yeah, yeah. And those are the bits that you remember. And I mean, the most sort of obvious example is childbirth. Because you, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people do it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we did, we had a nice time. But I, I also, I guess I hadn't realised how impacted I would be by going to the wedding because it, the vows were very powerful and they really love each other. And it just, I mean, I, ha- I was a bit off and you kind of couldn't work out why. And then in the end, I, I took myself off to the toilet and just had a big, ugly cry. And it did ruin my makeup, which was a shame, but it obviously had to come out. And I, I don't even know what was bothering me. It was something about the power of those wedding vows and the till death does do part. And I suppose I didn't expect to be seeing out that aspect of my vows at yeah. such a young age. I had a tear behind my um, mm, sunglasses. Yeah, um, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because we sat there together, married and very much in love. But I also, you know, I meant those words when I said them to Ben. And I... I remember walking down the aisle in, to him and just thinking, this is the man I'm going to be with for the rest of my life. Mm. And I think it's okay to wallow in that a little bit, especially well, at something like a wedding. Yeah, but you're not wallowing, you're remembering. Yeah. Um, and you remember, you're, you're at a wedding and you're remembering a happy day. And it's, it was quite close to my wedding anniversary, actually, yeah. which probably didn't help um, Laura. It was still a happy day. You know, I, I, I thought back to our wedding day, which was... Um, Really different. <laughs> um, you can find the interviews online for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, we um, And also, you know, the, when I married Sarah, you know, mm. she was an hour late. <laughs> the, vicar, the vicar was, uh, the bridesmaids, they got a puncture. Oh. So they came late and the vicar's like, oh, we're going to go without the bridesmaids. And Sarah was just like, well, absolutely fucking not. Well, at least it was, at least it was a genuine um, um, issue and not like a, my hair's gone wrong. No, no, but it ended up being an hour late. It, it, it was a dad. He'd sent her the wrong bloody way because he knew the right way. As, as all the Yorkshiremen do, <laughs> we know the right way to go. And what you need to do is send it through ben, a small village. Ben's family were late, actually. Yeah, they were late. Um, and I was sitting with my dad waiting to go. I mean, we got married at the registry office. And um, I'd really kept it together. I was completely cool. I'd have my makeup applied. And then my dad just looked at me and went, oh, I'm so proud of you. And that was it. And I just cried <laughs> through the whole ceremony. <laughs> we didn't really have time to get emotional at ours, did we? We had like an hour's notice. <laughs> we, we, we COVID wedding. Sarah cried. Um, dad walked her up. It was, it was weird in the church yeah. where her nan got married because we, we randomly Dude. found the church from this photo. Oh, you know, did you? I didn't so, know that. Um, yeah, uh, funny story, and I'm going to bore you a lot with it, why not? Um, <laughs> if, I, if I've got to listen to it. So uh, <laughs> um, her dad had relatives in two cemeteries across mm-hmm. uh, my hometown in Warmwell, and they had an open day where they opened all the books up <laughs> for, who, no, for, who's, <laughs> for who's buried there and who's thing. And, and they, him and Margaret went down and had a look um, and found that they had family there, and it was also where his mum got married. So once we found that, I said, well, can we get married there? Because obviously lovely. we live down south, but we got married up north, which was logistically fun. Um, easier than Greece. Much easier. <laughs> and much much cooler as well. Actually, it was March, but it was still hot. But, um, so I went to get married then, and I remember she came and she held my hand and her entire 
body was vibrating. Yeah. Her, she was crying, but her makeup didn't move. <laughs> <laughs> the makeup artist had um, applied the lacquer. That's where I went wrong, you see. I didn't use waterproof mascara and I wore red lipstick, which is always a bit of a gamble. Yep. But we had we had great fun. And, and also, it's going to a wedding. We're talking about addiction, going to weddings sober. Yes. Because it's it actually was quite a sober wedding, wasn't it? To be honest, there weren't that many people. I think it was too hot for much drinking. But And people were dancing and it was quite a, a fairly small wedding. It was family, but it, it was just, it, we walked away feeling... Like we'd witnessed something really lovely and special and felt I'm quite... privileged to be part of it. Exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Exactly. Took the words out of my mouth. So we are, we're now back for a couple of weeks. Um, so we are going to be doing some recording and we're going to be using much more video and um, yeah, just trying to do what we can really around the kids because as so many of you will be aware, it is difficult to do any sort of job around children and particularly one where sound is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> So we got home at two o'clock this morning, so um, I think the teenager is, is emerged for food, and that was about it. Um, and I only got halfway through doing the um, studio build, and then we all got sidetracked with summer holidays. So, yes. Um, it's, you don't hear it echoey, but before I did, it's quite echoey in the ears. So we're working on that. Um, now, there was something else that I wanted to talk about, if you're okay with it, John. And it's I know this is quite a long episode, but we're doing two. Two for the price of one you're getting now. Um so with your permission, John, I just, it feels relevant on here because John's first wife, Sarah, episode three, I believe. Five. Five. Phoenix. Oh, because of wash-ups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Phoenix AF. Um, describes how Sarah died from a from a type of bowel cancer, which is caused by a hereditary gene. Mm-hmm. Now, we then discovered that John's side of the family may have another gene that causes bowel cancer so john's been waiting for some genetic testing to be done now we've not been overly anxious because i think we both just put it to one side because mm. the implication of this could be quite severe for holly holly yes, yeah it can be. so i'll let you i'll let you tell the results because yeah so i'll just uh, so i'll boil you a little bit and explain what the gene is in the simplest word so it's called lynch's syndrome and it affects the digestive tract of the body and can cause bowel cancer in adults generally above 20 um it's said there there's a lot of different genes and mutation sarah had the mlh1 which is the, the big one um and mine was a different one and i've completely forgotten that's okay um but when I went to my dad's funeral last year, because he died quite suddenly of pa- uh, pancreatic, pancreatic cancer, he basically rang me up and told me he was terminal. He had the year left. He was gone in four weeks. Yeah, Ben's dad was very similar, actually. Pancreatic's um, brutal. And then we went went up to the funeral, and then my, my, my auntie pulled me to one side because, oh, I need to tell you that we've identified Lynch's syndrome in, our fa- in the maternal side of our family tree, which took my breath away, if of I'm honest. Of course it did. So I was like, oh, shit, it's in both of us. Yeah. Like, what's the implications for Holly? So I took myself off the GPs. They gave me this massive phone, which the all the family history. Now, I'm not going to go into detail, but I'm not really that close with my family mm-hmm. up north. We're, we're, we're just not close. It just is what it is. And um, he was asking for all who had what, when they did this and this. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. So I just sort of binned the paperwork and went, oh, fuck it, I can't be bothered. Um, I'll come back to it another day or whatever. Uh, and then it was like a year later, or nine months later, um, 
I got an, an email from Guy's Hospital said, "Oh, can we arrange a, one of the consultants to give you a call? Uh, one, sorry, one of the genetic genetic counselors to give you a call." But even that was quite scary because getting that email to me felt like this is quite a serious thing that they're checking, rather than just a precautionary check. Mm. Um, yeah, um, but, but for me it was different because I've seen it before. Yeah, because oh, yeah. Sarah was tested when she was like twenty one. Um, so we, we, I think we spent an hour on the phone. I think I was actually in the car on a Zoom call going, wait, to took off my hair cut. Not that I was not taking this seriously. It was just I wanted to have this call. Um, but my concerns and my concerns have, uh, have always been there's this risk of this MLH1 going into Holly because it's a 50-50 chance and it's gone up Sarah's family tree as long as we know. Um, and then if it was on my side as well, what happens if we both have the same gene and what happens to Holly? So she was explaining what can happen if we both had MLH1, mm-hmm. which would have been, she'd have been tested instantly. Yeah. Um, if it was different, they would have tested her anyway just to make sure she didn't have both or one or the other. But if I'm negative and don't have the, ge- uh, the gene mutation, then it's just back to normal and she has to wait till she's 18 and make the choice. Um, yeah. Which for a long time I rallied against, but I understand it quite clearly now. So. Yeah, we, we were looking into all sorts of options, weren't we, to see if we could get her tested mm. younger. But um, tell, tell the people. So uh, luckily um, I don't have it and the blood sample for that particular gene came back normal. So we are, uh, well, so we, that's it, yeah, we, yeah. Me, and, me and Rose, uh, not you guys. Um, you don't live with us. <laughs> I need a big house. They probably feel but, like they do sometimes. Um, um, and uh, it, it's a bit of a relief, and we're back to the original plan, which means uh, over the next 10 years or so, I slowly introduce it into Holly's mind in a way that won't jar her too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it, we put it into that box of things that we absolutely cannot worry about until mm-hmm. we know anything. And But the sense of relief when it came out negative, I it's that... Um, the old kind of metaphor we use about the bags that you're carrying, and I think we both put down a bag mm, because definitely. it is um, so many of you guys will know waiting for medical results is terrifying. And whilst we were able to put it out of our minds because it was a you know a fairly low risk, um, but, but having spoken to the guests I've had on, I know that any medical test can come back with something that you're not expecting. So we are delighted to, um, that, that John doesn't have the gene. So that that's a that's a massive relief for us. Um, and if anyone's affected by my story and wishes to discuss with me any more, yeah. uh, any, any more details, because I obviously won't do it on here, but there's quite a lot of information that can go down a rabbit hole in it. And if you are interested, uh, let me know. Yeah, me know. yeah, I do, because we do, we do, um, I've said it, but we do try and respond to our Instagram messages personally when, you know, as soon as we can, sometimes, because we, <laughs> we both have access to it, we, things get missed, but, um, and we and we do genuinely love hearing from you. We've had some really nice emails this week, and um, yeah, I, it, it's we can never get enough of hearing from you. Basically, because what we wanted to do was create this sort of two way communication, and um, yeah, that's what it feels like at the moment. It feels like this sort of tribe. Yeah. So with that, I think I'm going to clo- draw this one to a close. Um, but we will be back with you on Monday. It's going to be an interview with Michael. Coulson Tab, who um, speaks very beautifully about losing his wife Alice to breast cancer, and um, and we'll update you with how the party went. Yeah, do a little sunshine dance for us if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> the weather looks okay. I mean, not Greece, but it looks okay. It looks okay. We've it's got not... gazebos. We'll be fine. So the rest of you, I hope that you are, are coping in the summer holidays. I know that they are challenging and 
you know, if you just want to reach out, feel free. Um, But we're sending you lots and lots of solidarity and with love. And we'll be back with you soon. Take care, guys. Goodbye.